There it is. Okay. We are now live. Uh, we're, we've been studying Colossians chapter 3. If luck, we will make it through another two or three verses today. We started last week with verses uh, 18 through uh, the end of the chapter, and we tried to also give you the first verse of chapter 4. Um, Mm-hmm. We'll do that again because last week we tried to just give you the overview, although we did get into specifics, I know, uh, because that's just kind of the way we roll. Uh, you right. guys ask questions, and I sometimes actually try to answer them. So um, we'll take a look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read that, and then we'll uh, try to dig in a little bit here. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only with their eye, when their eye is on you, but and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So whatever you do, uh, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. Anyone who uh, does wrong will be uh, be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. All right. That's where we're at. We kind of gave you the overview of it, tried to do that last week. Just a quick review. The overview is just simply this. We'll notice that there are three, what we call, what I would call three couplets. And it starts off with uh, the, the intimate family, the, the, the wife and husband. Notice that the person who is supposed to submit and or obey is the first one in the couplet. The second one is the one that they're to, that they are to be answerable to along with the Lord. So wives, husbands, children, fathers, and you could say legitimately not just fathers, but today you could say husbands and fathers and mothers, and then slaves and masters. Now that was the, the overall thought we got, uh, we got started talking a little bit about wives and being submissive to their husbands and what that looked like and what it didn't look like. And I thought that um, on Thursday, Giuseppe brought up a really good point. And uh, I, I wish I had thought of it, but I'm giving kudos to Giuseppe. It was his thought. And it comes out of the Old Testament. And that this idea of submission is, is a, again, a military term that refers to uh, order or rank and the necessity of, uh, of coming under authority or rank. And uh, I, I mentioned and, and uh, I mentioned that uh, in the army or in, in the military, uh, especially with a volunteer army, you submit to those who are over you. But once you make that choice to submit, you then, are, you then must obey. Uh, that, the reason for that is that in the in the military, uh, you need to know that if someone who's a, a has authority over you says, "I want you to go into battle," uh, that you'll do it, that you won't rebel, that you won't uh, uh, start a mutiny, 
<clears throat> now it's, uh, I got to thinking, how is there a better way of describing this? And I thought that uh, the passage uh, out of uh, Exodus, Exodus uh, uh, 21, and if you want to turn there, you'll kind of catch a glimpse of this. Exodus 21 and uh, verse 6 uh, talks about this. It's about the fact that um, when a servant, a Hebrew servant, must serve you for six years, the beginning of, of ch uh, chapter uh, 21, verse 1, every seven years, uh, scholars argue as to whether it was a temporary, just one year reprieve, or if it was a permanent reprieve. But every seven years, slaves were to be let go, uh, Hebrew slaves. Usually this had, this involved debt. So within the, the nation of Israel, if there was a debt and you went into, you, you became a, a indentured, if you will, indentured servant, uh, you were to be let go uh, after six years. Now, again, some scholars say it was temporary. Some say it was permanent. Absolutely, on the 50th year, what we call the year of Jubilee, seven sets. Remember, every seven years, the land was supposed to rest in Israel. That was their idea of what we would call crop rotation today. Okay, so for every, every seven years, you'd give the land a rest, and you trusted the fact that God had provided so that that full year you didn't have to work. And so it was true with the slaves. They were supposed to be freed for that year, possibly uh, all, totally forgiven. And every 50th year would be what they call the year of Jubilee. Uh, this is found in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 15, if you want to check it out. And at the, on the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, you have seven sets of seven years. And that year, it was to be another year of rest for the land. The land was to lay fallow for a rest. All lands that had changed hands prior to that were to be returned to their original owners. So think about this. When Israel came into the land, they divided up the land and said, okay, this is your portion, this is your portion, this is your portion. And then, obviously, some people are better businessmen than others better farmers, whatever the case may be, and occasionally they would have to sell their land in order to survive. When 50 years came, that land was supposed to be returned to them. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons why, by the way, one of the reasons why Judah went into, into, went into uh, uh, exile uh, back about, was it 572? I might have my, might be 532, I forget. Anyhow, it was right in that general time frame. When the Babylonians took them into captivity, it took them away for how many years? Seventy. Seventy years. Why did why did they go into the land? Why did they leave the land for seventy years? They didn't rest the forty nine. They rest the land for this. They never prom They never practiced the seven years, nor did they practice the year of jubilee. And God says, "Fine, I'll. You won't give the land a rest. I will." So they took them away and took them into captivity for seventy years. Anyhow, as a result of that a slave was let go. But occasionally, a slave would say, you know what? A Hebrew slave would say, I love my master. I love him so much that I'm going to commit my life to them forever. I'm going to willingly submit to becoming their slave. And the way that they did that is they would, they would announce that 
This is in verse 5 of Exodus 21. But if the slave declares, I love my master, my wife, and my children, and I do not want to go free, then his master will must take him before the judges. Basically, think of this as going before the elders of the city uh, at, the, at the city. And he says, he will take him uh, to a door or a doorpost and will pierce his ear with an awl, and then he will be a slave for life. So again, submission is a voluntary choice to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to therefore obey. Uh, now, the question comes, just how much should I obey? Is there, is there a time when it, it's good to disobey someone you've committed yourself to be submissive to? No one wants to venture a guess. Okay. Uh, when there's yeah. abuse. Abuse. Okay. Good. What they're else? Not, if they're not submitting to the Lord, too, though. If they're not yeah. submitting to it's, the Lord. Okay. Yeah, if contrary told, to the word of God. If it's contrary to the word of God. So if they if they say, if, you know, if someone says, I want you to do something that's illegal or immoral, you're not supposed to do that, right? You obey God rather than man? Correct. Okay. So there are, there are, now, Here's the deal. Is it easier to submit to someone who shows you love and affection and cares and also somewhat submits to you too? Because remember what Ephesians 5 says? We're to submit to who? The Lord. And? Our wives. Each other. Yeah, each other, yeah. Yeah. So it's a mutual submission society. Well, Val, I'd like to just break in here and just read a, a verse from Philippians. Sure, where it said, it. Uh, where it says, uh, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count uh, equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human, human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. There, God has highly exalted him. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Yeah, so what you have here is you have the picture of Christ submitting to the will of God. Think of the think of the uh, uh, think of the garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. The last night of Jesus is free, and he's about to be arrested. He's there in the garden, and he's praying. What's he say? Uh, let me go, Father. If there's a plan B, now would be a good time to implement. That'd be cool, you know. I I could dig on a plan B right now. Well, what's he say at the end? Nevertheless, not, not my, my will. Thine will. Yeah, your, your will be done. It, it, that's a perfect picture of submission. That's what God says. That's how God answers, uh, how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, answers God the Father. Remember, we talked about that submission is part of the, is built into the Trinity. You have God the Father and the Son, even though he's co-equal with him, submits to the will of the father oh and by the way it didn't come as a surprise before they even created the earth before they created the universe before they created they knew that this was going to happen and they knew that they were going to have to do this and they mm. still chose to do it yeah. that's called love yeah really and and, and so what we're told here in, in colossians when it says the husbands to love your wives we're not talking about we're not talking about a sexual love. We're not talking about a brotherly love. You know, you know, hey, we're buds. Uh, 
or as they say in Australia, that we're not mate. It's not talking about being mates. Okay. It's talking about a godly love, which is a sacrificial love, which is that gives to the other person. Do you think that it's easier to submit to somebody who treats you well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Don't make me get my shirt out, okay? My shirt that says the beat will continue until the morale improves. Come on. That's right. <laughs> because it's easier. You know, no. Think about this. What God says in Romans, he says, it's not his judgment that leads us to repentance. It's what? His mercy. His mercy and his kindness. If it was probably being written in the Hebrew, it probably would have been his hesed, his, his otherness, his it's this weightiness that he says, I love you so much that it's a loving kindness that is far outshines anything else in all of the universe, in all of creation. And he says, it's, his, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O oh Lord. Knowing that you love us, no matter what we do, makes me want to love you too. Huh. What would that be like? If we understood that and we practiced that with our relationships with our spouses. Wow. And George is the only one that's going to answer. <laughs> it, um, it, it, it daunting. <laughs> daunting, yeah, daunting is right. And, and it would again point out the fact that I fall so short of being the kind yeah. of husband that I that my wife deserves. Oh, there you go, judging yourself again. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> well, you know, if we judge ourselves, we know that we won't have the problem of of, of God having to judge us. Hmm. Is that true? First, first Corinthians. First Corinthians. <laughs> first Corinthians. Yeah, but those are uh, yeah, but. <clears throat> do you think he's going to come back and go, yeah, you weren't really hard enough on yourself? <laughs> it's very possible he could, because there are times I, I, <laughs> I will admit that I kind of, you know, I kind of go easy on myself every once in a while. That's the, that's the first step. Admitting. Don't go easy on myself? <laughs> no, admitting. You go, admitting. What, you go Republican? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, man. Okay, is, so let's not go down is, that road, okay? There is <laughs> sure. a big difference between slaves and servants. Yeah, except mm. that the, the term servant, every time it's used in Scripture in the New Testament, really ought to be translated slave. That's the problem. There were no servants no. as such. Well, in a relationship to the master, there's a Christian, because this is directed to Christians, not to generally slaves and master in the world it's true uh, and when we yes. get to that verse it'll be great that we'll talk about it okay <laughs> yeah. you're right you're right there is a sense now the next thing by the way in in this idea of uh uh as to the lord it says do this as to the lord in, in verse yeah. uh, uh 18 and 19 you know fitting uh, is another term in one of the translations. The idea is that uh, the interpretation is looked at from a couple of perspectives. One, it could be that the husband may claim that the wife must obey him totally uh, in the same way that she does the Lord. 
I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think that's true. But if you happen to be of that vent, that's good. We get to heaven, we'll figure out who was right and who was wrong. Conversely, some wives say that, uh, that the phrase means that they submit to their husbands only when their husbands act like the Lord, which I think is probably a misnomer in the guy that wrote that, because I'm thinking to myself, if I act like a Lord, I'd get smacked around by my wife. You know, she doesn't like it when I lord it over her. I'm just telling you that. Can't speak for you guys, but I know mine would, would take me down a peg or two. So this is in those times, I think what he's, what he's saying is in, when those times when the husband fails, it's not necessary for the wife to submit. Those, I think, miss the point. Submission is a matter of Christian commitment. It comes with salvation. It's voluntary, voluntarily taking the position of submission in a matter of the wife's relationship to the Lord because it is fitting to, in the Lord. Now, does that mean that uh, that if your wife has abilities that are uh, in a particular area that you don't have, that you should ignore her and not use her abilities? No. I have a, I have a friend who uh, is uh, absolutely horrible when it comes to fixing anything around the house. He, he can't do, he, I don't think he even knows how to use a screwdriver, to be honest with you. His wife, on the other hand, does all kinds of stuff around the house. She's the handy woman of the house, if you will. Oh, she's yeah. the one that wears the tool belt, you know? She, mm. She's fixed their dishwasher. She's fixed their, you know, their dryer. Wow. Can you cook? Furnace, you know? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> you know, can you imagine if you were that guy saying, no, I heard no, that. honey, I'll take care of it. Yeah. I'll do this, you know? Whenever he did it, she'd have said, it, it'd be so messed up, I'd have to call the repairman. I couldn't fix it. You know, it would be out of my capability. My father uh, was kind of that way himself a little bit. Uh, I can remember not too many years ago, he was supposedly fixing the faucet. He was replacing the washers in the faucet. And he got it all apart, and he couldn't figure out how to get it back together. <laughs> I got a I got a phone call from my mother. Did you come over and help us put this faucet back together? Oh yeah. Sounds <laughs> so, like work. It well, it worked fine except the very first time I put it together, I put the hot and the cold. I switched them, so it was yeah. kind of a weird. Would you turn them on? It turned on opposite. So anyway. always take always take pictures before you take something apart. Well, here's the problem. I came with air, I came into the house with everything laid out, everything taken apart and all mixed up and jumbled together. I'm going, uh, I don't know which mm -hmm. goes where to begin with. I'm not, I'm not a plumber by trade, so it's not my area of expertise. So anyhow, all right. So uh, remember that, that this submission is not necessarily an inferior role. That, and that's part of the problem is I think is uh, because I think that's an, a, an unbiblical and a misunderstanding of the passage to do that because Paul uses the, the, the same term to refer to Christ Jesus attitude himself when he submits to, to the will of the father. Um, in first Corinthians 15, 28, it says that when he had done this, that is the Christ, when he had done this, then the father had done this, then the son himself will make, will be made subject to him who put everything under him. So the son will be subject to the father 
at the time of the re uh, re resurrection of the bodies of Christ, of, of Christians. It's both hey, husbands um, and, I'm sorry? Val, um, yeah. sometimes we go to the message, right? Uh, well, if we have yes. to, yeah. Rick, you want to read it for us? Oh, no. I've got it. Go for it. You got it? Go for it. Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master. There you 19. go. 19. Husbands, yep. go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. Yeah. Well done. Very good. You know, Eugene Peterson actually was pretty good at, at interpreting things. Um, I have a follower, one follower. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have uh, we, we beaten ourselves up and out about this? I know that there are those that are, that are not comfortable with this, and that's okay. The only thing I'm not comfortable with is um, – why is verse one in chapter four not in the last verse in yeah, chapter exactly. three? Yeah, exactly. Good reason. Well, as, that, as that, I've not, told don't you, tell me it's that donkey thing with it's uh, the donkey thing. That's right. See, there was this monk. He was a French monk who's the one who decided on where the breaks would come in the Bible. The Bible originally had no verses and no chapters. It was just one long, in many cases, I, one long run-on sentence. I'm assuming this is just what do you mean, donkey from your, your, your theological Well, that part plan. is true. This the, <laughs> at the, the apocryphal part is the next part, in which I said that I think the monk was riding on a donkey, and he was doing oh. his work, and every once in a while, he made a mistake. The donkey kind of hit a pothole or stumbled or whatever, and he would skip a verse where it should have been, you know, he should have put a... Uh, you know, a chapter break here, and he did it in the wrong spot. And I distracted think that, driving. I'm sorry. Distracted driving. Yeah, distracted driving. Yeah. You know, actually, though, on this one, on going into four, if you started at four, it makes sense even that way, to me. Yeah, it does. And yeah, again, so it's not terribly wrong. I mean, it is wrong. <laughs> I, I think that the reason I think it's wrong is that the 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 two groupings above it are couplets. Yeah, and so it makes sense to make the couplet out of the out of uh, verse of uh, uh, twenty five and of chapter three and verse one yeah. of chapter four. Yes. But you know, again, think about the fact that originally there were no chapters and verses. We use chapters and verses because it's easier for us to memorize. Sure, it's easier for us to find something. Yeah, very typical. You know, could you imagine uh, if you have a book? You know, now that you've got like Kindle, anything you highlight goes up in the cloud for you. Yeah. But, you know, and so you can always kind of find your, you know, kind of find what you what you might have highlighted. But back in the day, you know, they, they memorized whole books. Yeah. And so when Jesus would make reference in the, in the Gospels, when he makes reference, he just uses a word or two. Everyone knows what he's talking about because they've already they've got the, the the Torah is totally memorized. All yeah. all men had the Torah memorized by the time they were thirteen, if they went on to school. But yet, yet, but yet he had to explain it to them right on the road to Emmaus. They had it well, memorized. Yeah, of course, because they were blind. Just because you had it memorized didn't mean you understood it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
what's going to happen when we get to heaven and we're going to go, wow, what you were talking about. Yeah. You know, I had no idea. I thought it was something totally different. So, all right. Uh, and I love, Keith, I loved what you had there in the message where it says, you know, it basically it's translating, don't be harsh with them. Yeah. You know, treat them. And again, I have to tell you, I, I do a poor job of this sometimes. You know, I get I get angry, upset. I have, for, believe it or not, my sarcasm is both can be used for good and for evil. And too often it's used for evil. Mm. Mm. And, it, it, and it can cut, you know. Um, so anyhow, I will flee from that because I don't want to get beat up myself anymore. Notice that the difference here is the difference in, in these next passages is children and slaves are told to obey. It's a totally different word. It has the idea of listening and then doing in, in the Greek, listening and doing. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of the, um, I'm trying to remember the passage that it comes from. I'm, I'm just drawing a blank now. Um, so often what a, what a slave would do is he would learn the gestures of his master and he would learn to read a hand gesture and learn to read, uh, facial expressions, you know, and so he could obey without having ever heard necessarily a word, you know, it'd be like when you're, uh, when someone comes through, oh, like if you're in a restaurant and a waitress or, or waiter comes through and you kind of point at your plate, indicating you're done, you never have to say it, tell them what to do. They just automatically do it, right? They go, oh, okay, it needs to be removed. They might ask, but they, they're, uh, and I think it's the same thing with obedience is, can, do we listen? Do we obey? Do we follow what our master says? And I'm talking about our master in heaven. And that plays through as to how we obey as children. You know, children, we need to teach children to obey. Don't touch that stove. It's hot. You know, the way you don't want to teach them is to put their hand on the stove when it's hot, right? That's not a good yeah. idea. But you try to teach them. And you do that to try to save them from problems that they're going to potentially run into. So obedience was something was expected of the children. And uh, he says here, uh, young children, he's addressing young children. He doesn't use the, the Greek term for young men. So he's not talking about teenagers or post-teenagers. He's talking about little children. The bulk's coming. And so uh, he talks about training uh, is a process to teach the children to obey those uh, and and those who, who heard these words would respond accordingly. So if you, it'd be like telling your kids, I don't want you to run out on the road. And so if you tell them to stop, they just stop. You know, uh, how many times do kids get trained, don't get trained to run out on the road and in your neighborhood, they'll run out, you know, the ball will, will roll across the, the road. They run out right in front without looking to see if there's a car. Yeah. You know, not paying attention. We, we try to teach them obedience because obedience will ultimately do what? 
provide a certain amount of safety for them. Sure. So you learn. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. Nothing in this particular passage refers to a specific age. I just think that it, it, it says that it makes sense that it's young children. It's not, doesn't, doesn't say young men. So that's your, your hint, if you will. The motivation here is because this pleases the Lord. You know, there are, the idea of pleasing the Lord is, uh, is pleasing is something that describes the relationship we're supposed to have with the Lord. Uh, it conveys the thought of this is well-pleasing. You know, when you do something and God is well-pleased, uh, since you're in the Lord, do this because it's the it, it becomes a way of being obedient. It says to make sure that we don't, uh, the, the word, uh, one of the words here is, uh, um, let's see, uh, don't embitter your children, you know, they will become discouraged. Embitter is this idea of uh, don't irritate them or nag them. Now, I wish there were times when my mother was alive that she wouldn't have nagged me. <laughs> it got to be kind of old hat, you know, and it got to the point where as a teenager, I just turned it off. Didn't pay attention. I would kind of go to my own little space in my head, you know. And, and occasionally nod and at, at appropriate times, but I pretty much ignored what she had to say because she was nagging. Now, probably if I had been obedient, she wouldn't have had to nag. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it was a crazy cycle that was going on between the two of us at times. The idea is don't, don't nag, your, don't embitter your children by constantly picking at them uh, or refusing to acknowledge their efforts. Um, you know, your kids come to you when they're real small and they want to show you, sometimes they want to show you the, let's be honest, as an adult, they're the dumbest things in the world they want to show you, but they're really proud of it. You know, they make up a dance and they want to show you the dance or they make up a, uh, they do a, a, a puppet show or they, you know, they put on some kind of variety show and they want, and, you know, and sometimes you get irritated by it, but you need to encourage them. Just saying that uh, sometimes we do it right and sometimes we do it wrong, right? Okay, quiet, silence. The only a dog, and I noticed the dog mentioned. That was good. I'm glad the dog chimed in. <laughs> All right, let me see here. If there's any other thing. Uh, in in uh, Ephesians 6, which is the parallel passage to this, Ephesians 5 and 6, the end of 5, the beginning, first part of 6, uh, parents are told to raise the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They, they, they have a, I think that children have a right to have godly parents who teach them the word of God and discipline them in love. Now, do children have, have rights? I think so. Trick question, maybe. Do children have rights? When they're 21. Yes, they do. <laughs> <They're 21. laughs> yeah, they have a right. Yeah. But because do they also, not, because do they also number, have responsibilities, though, with the rights? Yes, they do. The, both ways goes. Yeah. Uh, number they have one. The responsibility <laughs> to use their mouth and their ears in the right proportion. True. <laughs> True. Uh, we no. have to remember one thing. We were once shy, sh children. Oh, and the no, other thing I was, is... I was born fully grown. <laughs> and the other thing is, 
according to the Bible, they are a blessing from the Lord. So it's except to us, they don't become a curse. You know, that's why to raise godly children so that your life can be extended on earth, which is a blessing for yourself, number one, and then for the people around you. Here's a thought. If your children do not so grow up learning to obey, learning to obey yeah. their parents, they're probably not going to grow up learning to obey authority in general. True. You know, um, I think I, I, I personally think, and this is, this is my opinion, although I think it, it bears out in some of the passages of end times that we talked about last week. Um, where we talk about the fact that the breakdown of authority in our society, I think reflects the breakdown of the authority in the home. Yeah. And the result of that is that we are entering, we're getting closer and closer to end times. I have no idea when that happens exactly. There is no meter that says, okay, now I got pegged and now we're in it. Uh, with the possible exception, again, you know that my theological wheelhouse is that there, that I believe in the rapture and with the rapture, begins the last seven years of the uh, of the time of the Israelites. Uh, the time of Gentiles ends, the time of, of Israelites starts ticking again. And, um, but for that to happen, the only thing that has to happen for Christ's return is simply for him to return. Um, so, all right, so we're, we're told to be obedient in all things. We're told to exercise uh, authority over them. We're told to um, we're told not to create problems with our children, uh, but our children don't create problems, but they off, often reveal problems that we have in our, in our lives. Um, the measure of a children's obedience is in all things. The motive is to please the Lord. I will tell you this right now, that no child is ever going to be obedient in all things, but that's the goal. So, uh, do you, uh, in terms of, I was just reading this passage in Ephesians you referenced, uh, yeah. it's, the wording's even stronger. Yes. Like, uh, as the church submits to Christ, so your wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Now, do you mm -hmm. think that contract is broken in the case of abusive husbands, which we hear about all the time, the ones that beat their wives, beat their kids, uh, in some of the worst cases, even kill them? Yeah. Um, I, I think, yes, I do. Um, it's, it's a little hard, I think, to find uh, really strong passages, but I think that God expects for you to, um, uh, God does not expect for you to lay down your life because your husband wants to beat you. I don't think God expects you to live in an abusive situation. I think that there, there are a number of, and again, I'm, I'm much more literal than some uh, Bible teachers are as far as to what is appropriate and what is inappropriate as far as things like divorce and separation and that. I think if you are, if you are at, um, if you are in danger, that you are certainly within your rights to, to try to, to save yourself from that as a, as a wife or even as a child. Um, if uh, hopefully the authorities will, will do something. Um, sometimes that doesn't help. Sometimes it aggravates the situation, but yeah, I think that you have to be, um, 
remember, this is assuming Christ is saying that you that you're to be obedient. Paul is saying in Ephesians and even here in Colossians, you're to be obedient as, as wives <coughs> because your husbands are submitting to the Lord. And just like you don't have to obey your husband if he tells you to do something that's illegal or immoral, uh, I think you don't have to take a beating. You know, I mean, you might choose to do that in order, as an example, you might choose to do it in order to save your kids. You know, but uh, in general, no, I don't think that you have. Um, I don't think a man has the right to do that. And uh, it's something that's <clears throat> that comes back to a patriarchal society because we're stronger, mm-hmm. you know. And and we've used these passages. Frankly, we've used these passages incorrectly for hundreds of years, perhaps thousands of years. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the passage is wrong. It just means we've applied it incorrectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and. So anyhow, all right, let's, uh, uh, in, in uh, one of the passages is, you know, don't provoke your children. Uh, it's Colossians uh, 3.21. I think that's in, um, one of the, I think that's a King James version, don't provoke your kids. Um, there was a survey, it's, this is a few years old, there was a survey that, that said that uh, fathers spend an average of uh, 37 seconds a day with their kids. Oh, wow. What? 37 seconds a day they spend with their kids. <laughs> not, not during COVID shutdown. No, not during COVID shutdown. Well, then, you know, who knows what they do. But think about that. If you're, if you're out working, you come home and, you know, you, you just need, you need to unwind. You need to do this. You need, you've got other things you need to do. And do you ever spend any time with your kids? Some, some fathers spend as little as 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why kids, you know, don't respond to their parents. Now today, with who knows with the situation we're involved with, although I, uh, I who knows, I don't know, with with COVID and with the, the you know, in home le- learning. So parents, we need to learn to listen to and be patient when our kids talk to us. By the way, we also need to learn to be patient and listen when our when our, our spouses talk to us. It's just saying, don't go into neutral. <laughs> uh, on Tuesday, you mentioned uh, the book Love and Respect. Yeah. And so when I went on that website, um, yeah. there's a 15-day uh, emailing thing that they... Uh, send out to you. They don't send you an email every fifth, every day in that 15 day period. They send it to you every other day. Okay. Uh, it's extremely good. Is it really good? It's extremely good. Good. So, uh, that, that'd be a, that's a, it's a good, I think the book itself is a great resource. What's and I book? think reading the passage that was written to the, the wives was incredibly enlightening for me and i'm going they don't understand this and of course then i'm reading the passage about wives that's written for the husbands i'm going oh is that what's going on yeah that that's the the, and the three emails that i've well two specifically that's what i uh 
basically said, Bill. What's yeah. the name of the book? Love and Respect. Love and Respect. Uh, it's by uh, Emerson. Emerson. Yeah, thank you. Is it Emerson or Eggerson? Eggerich. 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 Emerson Eggerich. Emerson Eggerich. Okay. Is that it, Gary? I, yeah, I just here. wrote down Eggerich uh, last time somebody actually Googled it and we we found the title. Emerson Emerson Egg Eggerich. I knew Emerson was there. So. E G G E R I C H S. <laughs> oh, Egger Egg. Egger Rich. It's a white and burgundy cover. Yeah, it looks like this, <laughs> although it's it's the reverse. So look at this in a mirror and you'll know what it it's is. It's not reversed. For us, it's right. Oh, is it? Okay, it's just yeah. for me, it's reversed. Mm -hmm. All right. Shows just like your ears are correct, too. Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing? Oh, man, we're out of time. Okay, we're out of time. It's time to. Time to wrap up. I wish I could give you some really good points, but my point would just simply be this. As husbands, we're told to love our wives like Christ loves the church, which means that we live to sacrifice ourselves for them. If I did that, I would have, uh, I would have a much happier wife, I'm sure. The other thing is when it comes to kids, we need to encourage them to be obedient. We need to, even as, as a, adults, it's a different situation. We know when they're adults, but we still need to encourage them. And we need to practice things that promote that they see that we're being obedient to what God calls us to be. I'd uh, we, recommend all the guys to uh, jump over and read Ephesians 5.21 in parallel with this passage. Yeah. It's the same message, it's just that he amplifies on things. Yes, uh, he sure more. does. Yep. I didn't realize it was, it was more... written tw twice like that until, you, until we covered it. You know, you pointed out in Ephesians and Colossians. I didn't, yep. I didn't realize it was, you know, when you think of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians as kind of like the, the high water mark, uh, but at least I do. But yeah, and for it to be mentioned twice in those books is mm -hmm. very interesting. Well, you know, it all comes back to this. How often does God have to say something for us to, to say, okay, I need to obey it? Is once enough? No. <laughs> should, you know, should he ever theoretically, theoretically, it should be. But if he has to do it a couple of times, do you think that maybe it's important? Theory and proof. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. Well, we've reached the end of our, our time for today. And uh, we will get into the rest of of this is specifically we'll deal with the issue of uh, slaves and masters, at least from the first century perspective. We'll try to see if we can figure out how that applies to today, how that applies through, how it applied throughout, how it should have applied throughout history um, versus how it often was applied. Um, and then uh, we'll go on from there. By the way, when we get done with Colossians, we will, use, we will jump over to Philemon, which is a short book, but it's really important because Philemon is a, an owner of a slave who the slave ran away from Philemon. His name was Onesimus. And Onesimus uh, was with Paul, became a believer, 
and Paul entrusted him with the letter for Colossians to, to go back to the church of Colossae and to go back to his master. So we'll take a look at that as we finish out. After we finish Colossians, we'll go into Philemon and we'll see what we can pull out. Because I think these two passages, these two books are necessary that they're together. Uh, so we'll take a look at that. Following that, I I don't know. I know I got people banging on me to do James, and you know my opinion of James. I love to hate that book. And um, um, I've also thought uh, maybe uh, 1 Corinthians, because we haven't had enough weighty matters in Colossians, so why not wade into the deep end of the pool and go into 1 Corinthians, where we can you know, pretty much – make everybody upset with me when I teach. So <laughs> we'll be dealing with how to, how to address and what to do with uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord that, that uh, have done you wrong. We'll look at, uh, that would look at uh, spiritual gifts. It would look at uh, divorce and remarriage. It would look at resurrection versus no resurrection. It would look at uh, the communion table. I mean, it just is chock full of stuff. Women's role in the church. Yep. Yep. It's a, um, it's a big one. And I'm, I'm tempted to, uh, after getting my toes stepped on and stomped on pretty much throughout the book of Colossians, especially this chapter, I'm, uh, I'm thinking I just need to just wade into the deep end because this is, this is the shallow pool, I'm afraid. So, all right. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, the Lord bless you, and uh, we hope.